Welcome to Bon Jovi Discussions. Today I have my buddy Jamin for all the way from uh, Calgary, Alberta. How you doing, buddy? Good. How are you, buddy? Good, good. You doing good and staying safe and all that? All that jazz? Oh, yeah. Doing the best I can. <laughs> well, today we are going to talk about this bad boy right here, Crush. This is the best album in the entire world, which we're going to really have a good discussion today because this I just love this album tremendously. Um, so just a little overview to get started. Uh, this was the band's seventh studio album I released on June 13th, 2000. Uh, it was uh, nominated for a, I think it was nominated for a Grammy Award for Best Rock Album, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think it won though. And it was originally called Sex Sells. And yeah. uh, if uh, in the real life, which was a song that the band had written or had done for uh, Ed TV, which was a 1998-1999 movie, in that music video, they were promoing uh, Sex Sells, which was their upcoming uh, album, uh, which was mm -hmm. eventually going to be Crush. And then it was also in the, the backstage with John Bon Jovi magazine, magazines that got sent out to people in the mail uh, back then during the fan club. And John was talking about how it was going to be called Sex Cells. And then it got changed to One Wild Night, which was, uh, they changed it to Crush after that. Uh, but I always thought that they should they could have also called it Just Older as well, you know? Which yeah, we'll they think for the time in their career, I think. Yeah. So I think that would have been part, we'll, we'll get into that. Um, yeah. It was produced by uh, John Ritchie and Luke Eben. And it was originally going to be recorded, or yeah, uh, produced by Bruce Fair Fairbairn Fairborn. I can never pronounce his last name, uh, but he eventually died, and so they went with someone new, and that was Luke Evan. Uh, and uh, if this was also the first album to be recorded in John's new uh, home in Red Bank at the time, uh, Sanctuary Studios Two. Uh, it was recorded from '99 to 2000. So we got a lot to talk about, but I'll let you have a second to say, you know, how you how much you love this album. Yeah, definitely. Um, this was the album that like got me into Bon Jovi. Really, um, I was I was hearing their songs. Um, I got into them around 2008, actually, so pretty late as far as Bon Jovi fans go. But uh, 2007, 2008, and I was hearing like their songs on the radio and I'm like oh man I love this and this one night in particular I just had to know more I had to know more than just like what's popular on the radio and I did this deep dive on YouTube and it was songs like uh, thank you for loving me that made me realize they have like these awesome soft songs and uh, my first Bon Jovi album besides Crossroad uh, my first studio album I bought from them was Crush and I just fell in love um, of course it's my life is a classic but hearing the other songs that I'd never heard before like um, Save the World and Two-Story Town and everything like that just kind of blew my mind that they had these such unique sounds that you don't really hear on the radio as often yeah and uh yeah, it, it was the perfect time in my life to fall in love with an album like that, too, because I was in high school and it had the cheesy love songs and the 
kind of perfect tone for that time of my life. So everything was super relatable to me. And I'd like listen to the love songs on the way back from first dates and everything like that. So yeah. just has that like personal connection that way. You know, I'll tell, I'll tell my story because this is uh, the album that started it all for me. And mm -hmm. uh, so the way that it happened was I was eight years old and it was May 18th, 2000 or something like that. And I remember I was sitting in front of the TV watching VH1. This is when they had music videos on VH1. And uh, I remember, uh, you know, the beginning of the It's My Life music video, You, which we're going to get into that here shortly. But so yeah, I, I watched this video about the, this dunk guy trying to get to a Bon Jovi show. And, you know, as an eight-year-old kid, I was like, oh, this, this guy really digs his band. And, uh, you know, so it was kind of cool just to see him as an eight-year-old kid, just to see him do stunts and jumping off a bridge or jumping onto a garbage truck or jumping off of bridges or whatever, you know. And uh, and then the band looked so cool, you know, like the green color effect. And then you had like John and Richie, David and Tika, and it all looked so cool. And, and uh, so every day I started to wait for this music video to come on VH1 every day. And... Uh, Eventually, I got a, like a VHS record, to, like a to record on TV. But this is before DVR. And I remember I finally got it to record, and I I I replayed it over and over and over. And then so eventually, I found out that Crush the album was going to come out, and this is before the digital era too. And so I remember begging my dad every day. I said, "Please let me get this Crush album. Let me get this Crush album." And, <laughs> I, I did something bad. Like my dad was like, we'll see, we'll see, you know. And uh, so I came home uh, one day after uh, it was during summer camp. I went during the day and um, I came home and Crush, the, the CD was on my dresser. And I remember playing that on release day in June. And I just like, like you said, absolutely just fell in love with it from beginning to end. It was just such a, great album and i i played that album every single day that summer and eventually i, I knew how much i loved bon jovi uh my dad had purchased the previous discography you know all the other six seven albums that were before it and uh so you know this this is the album that started it all for me this is what made me find bon jovi and uh you know it's always going to be my favorite album because of that and it's also a really good album too um, so that's my little story about how, you know, I got started with, I, ha I have to say that story because that's, this is what started it all for me as a diehard fan, you know, and 21 years later. So, yeah, it's amazing. But we'll, we'll get into the album now. So, you know, this is pretty much the new evolution for the band. So, you know, the band, you know, was the biggest band in the eighties In the nineties, they stuck to their own style, but they had a little bit of a new sound, you know, with keep the faith in these days. And, uh, and then John Ritchie also, and David also did some solo albums. Um, and then so 2000 was kind of like a new era. You know, the grunge era in the 90s was done with. And so the 2000s were kind of like poppy, a little hip-hop rap type style. Uh, so bon, I think Bon Jovi had to find, I, I think they became a little more poppy, which is great. I love the poppy sound. You know, so I, I think they kind of got more into the pop rock sound. And uh, it was a new generation, uh, a new generation of fans too. you and I, for example, you know, I, I'm living proof of a new generation fan. And yeah. uh, and this was also another fun thing about this 
crush era. This was the start of the internet era too. So do you remember? Uh, well, if you became a fan of 2008, so you don't really you know it, but you don't remember it coming. I so BJTV. Do you remember that? No, that that sounds like before I became a diehard myself, but. Well, there, there used to be videos on YouTube, but now some of them are gone, but there's still some on there. So BJTV kind of started around 2000 when they were recording this album. So on BonJovi.com, uh, every so often they would release a video called BJTV, and it, it would show the band uh, in the studio or, mm -hmm. or recording something or John talking about the upcoming album. And they did that for Bounce. They did that for all the albums up until I think have a nice day and then they started to do tour videos like them on tour and uh Mike Rue would you know talk to fans and stuff and uh so that that's BJT so BJTV's kind of started from that and uh I think it was good for them to get into that internet era as it was becoming a thing because it, I think it helped their career a little bit yeah uh, trying to yeah it's a good way to stay on on top of the times and make sure you're promoting everything correctly Exactly. So do yourself a favor after we get done talking. Go to YouTube and search BJTV. A lot of the videos are gone. They've disappeared over the years, but there's still some great uh, tour videos of them backstage um, and um, some some in the studios. Like there's a version of them recording It's My Life in the studio, and uh, John does the verses a little different, and it's so good. Um, but anyway, let's get into the tour. Uh, the tour was also a great thing. Yeah. I saw the continuation of the Crush tour, which was the uh, the One Wall Night tour. Uh, but they started this tour uh, in Japan in July of 2000. Yes, yeah. we'll, we'll talk about this bad boy in a second. Uh, they did August, or they did Europe in August, and then the U.S. in November and December. Then 2001 became the One Wall Night tour. But as you were just showing this bad boy right here, the Crush Tour DVD, you know, I was talking about uh, the Crush CD, and um, I remember this came out short, I think the following year, and this is the first DVD that I, I remember I, I played this thing over and over, and I'm surprised it still works. But, yeah. What, what do you <laughs> think of the DVD? Too. Um, I really like it. Um, it was my first time hearing the slow version of Runaway and uh, I think it's just a really well done production all around like the live version of Captain Crash is amazing mm -hmm. and uh, and it makes me wish they played next 100 years more often because that is just such an incredible song yeah let's go through the track so I liked how they opened up with prayer and bad name you know like in between prayer and bad name you know, like when John's like come on talk to me you know, and that he's building the crowd up. I love that. Uh, like you yeah. said, Captain Crash. You know, Captain Crash is really cool. Mm -hmm. um, I also love the version of I'll Be There For You on there. Yeah, that one's that so a, good. He was still screaming in the bridge uh, before the final chorus. And then, like you said, next 100 years. Uh, they, If you ever look at the set list from that Zurich Switzerland show, there was a lot more songs, but they cut a lot. That should have been, yeah. all, you know. But overall, it's still a great DVD. Actually, I might, I might watch this tonight. I haven't watched it in a while, so uh, yeah. I'm in that <laughs> crush mood today. Mm -hmm. uh, so let's. Uh, I think let's start digging into the track listing. Uh, the first one is "It's My Life," uh, which is the the first single. 
See? Oh, yeah, I thought you put on the single. Yeah. Uh, it's My Life. I, it was the first single released on May 23rd, 2000, and it was written by John Ritchie and Max Martin. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, this was nominated as well for a Grammy for Best Rock Performance by a Duo. And I think another category, Group of Vocals, I think it was. And then yeah. what, what's so unique about this song, what I really love, is that it was the return of the talk box. Mm. And and so I love the way that, you know, the whoa, whoa, you know. And then it also comes in the guitar solo as well. You know, so that was kind of unique. You know, I think that was kind of like a new uh, Living on Prayer Part 2, but more with the talk box. You know, and obviously yeah. we see the return of Tommy. Yeah, you know, and we see the the return of Tommy and Gina mm -hmm. as well. You know, before I keep going more into more of this, what, what what's your take on the song? What, um, I I think it's a brilliant song, and it's a it's a showcase that they still got it. Like mm -hmm. um, they were they had hadn't had an album in like five years if you don't count the solo albums, and this was their way of saying like, hey, we're here, and let's show the world who we are, and um, you're right, the talk box is a brilliant touch, and um, actually writing with Max Martin was a brilliant touch, too, yeah. because he's a huge pop writer. Um, yeah. Almost any famous song you've heard in the last 20 years, from Katy Perry to Britney Spears, probably has his name on it. Yeah, because I think so, he's, also written with, with the, um, he's also written with Backstreet Boys uh, and Taylor Swift, I think, too, and a lot of, like it's a lot of other pop artists that I just... Yeah. I just such a, like a rock band like an older rock band was was a good move on his part and it was a brilliant move on bon jovi's part to write with him yeah as much as i love desmond child as well um i think max martin was the right choice for that song i i and, agree you know especially with you know getting into that new era you know into the 2000s you know you needed someone that was working with the current artists and stuff and that could give you a hit um mm -hmm. One, another thing too, you know, instrumentally that I really like about this is uh, Tico on the drums. So like before the first, you know, let's sing a song for the broken heart. So before that line, you know, there's like boom, 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 and then the verse comes in. There's a performance. I think it's either 2009 or I think it was 2009 where they were at like a UK royalty show or something like that and they do uh that performance well everything cut out at that part where tico does the drumming before the first verse and it was just tico and it sounds so good and so i kind of wish they would have done that i don't know if it was like a tech era or tech error or something but it was just tico playing i loved it yeah um, it sounds so cool and the, another yeah. thing too is that I really like uh, is John's passion in the vocals, like in in the last part of the song after the bridge, you know, when they do the chorus over and over, like there's just so much uh, passion and emotion. It's just, it's powerful the way John sings those lines. Yeah, it makes you really feel that song and what he's singing about, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And he was so, um, the song was so important to him. I love the story that, um, the Frankie said I did it my way was a line that Richie fought him on and Richie was like nobody knows Frank Sinatra anymore or they won't get the reference and John's like I don't care it's for me this is my song exactly. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then by saying just Frankie instead of Frank Sinatra it can turn into anyone's Frankie in their own lives and yep. 
um yeah it just it just works the way the song came out and it's a nice personal song for john that also just happened to be like one of their biggest hits of all time yeah so exactly yeah um let's talk about the music video so because like i said earlier this is the you know everything that started for me mm-hmm. um I, I, I liked, uh, you know, how they started, you know, you, you see the Bon Jovi poster in his room from, you know, 1994, I think the picture was from. And uh, and then the only thing I always question is like uh, when his girlfriend calls and she's like, you have five minutes. And so I always yeah. thought five minutes to what? Like till you can come see the band? Well, the band's already playing. So five minutes until the show ends. Or I always wonder what the five minutes meant. Yeah, I never understood that, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's still a, uh, still a brilliant video, you know, just the way that you know, it's like it kind of resembles a diehard fan like you and I. Like, you and I would do something like if we found out, first of all, we, we would know way in advance, but you know, if we found out that Bon Jovi was down the street from us playing, you know, we would jump all those obstacles, jumping on garbage trucks, or fighting dogs, or beating off the Elvis, uh, I, I better reword that, um, <laughs> you know, whatever they did with the Elvis thing in the second verse, uh, and then jumping off that big bridge and rolling under the truck. Yeah. You know? And then going in that, and then going in that tunnel. And I always laugh that he falls into the uh, backseat of a car with like all these thugs. And uh, then obviously he gets pushed out. But uh, I love that, you know, it, it kind of resembled, you know, what, how, passionate fans can be and you know doing anything to get to that show yeah, uh, it's it's such a cool way to demonstrate just how how much we want to be there and yeah. for Lim we're going to be at the show yeah exactly and, uh, and yeah, parts of it are like an action movie like the the jumping off the bridge under the truck thing yeah. has always been such a cool moment yeah. Um, the way they film it is almost like something out of a diehard movie, too. <laughs> like, exactly. Just, you know, if you did that in real life, though, I think you'd break your back. Yeah, that's a pretty yeah. high jump he does. <laughs> yeah. And uh, my back ain't used to be. <laughs> and it's, it's it's such a fun song live to it. You know, very anthemic. Um, you know, it's it's just a loud anthem that you sing along with thousands of others. You know, in front of your favorite band, I love it. Um, I have two favorite lyrics from this song. Uh, the first one is, you better stand tall when they're calling you out. Don't bend, don't break. Baby, don't back down. Yeah. And I, I live by those words, you know? You know, it's like, give it all that you got and, you know, don't let anybody beat you down. It, it kind of resembles the fall down nine times, get up ten. Um, and then I also like in the second verse, tomorrow's getting harder, make no mistakes. Luck ain't, luck ain't even lucky, you gotta make your own breaks. Yeah, that one's actually my favorite line. It just That's it true. sticks in my head even when I'm like um, just doing something else and I think about, oh, I better get lucky here. And I'm like, no, luck ain't enough. <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Sticks. Well, let's go to the next track. Uh, Say it isn't so, which. These these two bad boys right here. Yeah. And, yeah, I want to back up too because I want to say how great the photo shoot was for this album. Like, I mean, I, that's one of the reasons I'm showing these singles because the artwork and the you know photography was just phenomenal. You know, one of my favorite pictures. That's, that's is, the reason I'm wearing this shirt. <laughs> yeah, I, lo- I love that one too. You know, I love this picture right here at the bottom. 
Yeah. Yeah, that, that's one of my favorite photos of the band. That was actually, I remember when I got to crush it, I eventually got another one and I put that as a little poster in my room because I thought that picture looked so cool. Um, yeah. But anyway, let's, let's get into the second single, Say It Isn't So, which was released on uh, July 21st, 2000. It was written by John and uh, Billy Falcon. And I, if I'm not mistaken, this is kind of the start of him and Billy Falcon. Mm. They write on future albums after this too. Um, before I before I dive into this, I want to let you talk about it about the song. All right. So this has actually always been one of my favorite songs of theirs because it's just so unique and strange sounding for them. Like it's got this this odd almost. I don't know. I don't know if ska is the right word, but it's. It's definitely not a straight rock or pop song. It has its very own unique sound, and the effects they do on John's voice are cool. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, I just think it's it's really well done, and you can hear even through the effects, like the passion, like, and the lyrics are just brilliant. And mm -hmm. I remember Crush CD didn't come with lyrics, and my first few times listening to it, I was I just... Know. Yeah, I just tried so hard to hear what he's actually talking about. Like, what's he saying about Mickey Mouse and Superman? And <laughs> <laughs> the one thing I can never understand was, and thank God there's Google now and stuff, but uh, yeah. when I first heard this album, like that bathing beauty beach on it in a bad B-rated B-movie, I, yeah. I, I still get, it's like a big old tongue twister to me. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, you know, so like you know, in the guitar intro to this song, too, that dun, 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 you know, I love that. Um, yeah, and, then, cool. uh, and the background vocals too in this song are really cool. You know, like when the band, um, you know, like "Don't Give Up on Me," uh, "We'll Make It Through," "Couldn't Be Not You." You know, when the band is doing those background vocals, is, is pretty cool. Uh, this is one of those fun songs on the album, you know. It, it's more or or less, you know, like a fairy tale song, you know, like like all this stuff that you believe and you find out isn't true anymore. Um, you know, and it's also, I think, a knock knock on uh, a knockoff to Hollywood, you know, portraying that you know Hollywood isn't seem isn't what it always seems to be and stuff, you know, like in, like in the yeah. music video, you know you have all these scenes clashing you have like the gladiator terminator um amelia estevez i think i think that was like a young gun young guns reference and then you're like in the first verse and the band is singing all of a sudden that car just you know because it shows the band like on this really nice looking place and then all, all of a sudden you see the car crashing through and you realize it's a set it's not real um and uh another thing that i like too is like they're filming like I think it's a guy from Friends. Uh, I don't watch Friends, so I don't know. And then this blonde woman, and he he walks in, and she's like talking on the phone. And then all of a sudden, the place goes in flames and cut. And then the fire department comes in and and uh, fights the flames. Um, so so anyway, so you know, so it's all about all these things that aren't that you come to find out that aren't true. You know about yeah, Hollywood, yeah. and also about like relationships too. I think that the relationships really portray in the first verse and chorus. You know, like um, "Don't give up on me," "Don't give up on you," "We'll make it through." It couldn't be not you. Um, so yeah, 
and uh, yeah, I, you know, that, like I said, I wish we would have seen this live after the Crush tour. It's a shame that they only did that on the Crush tour. You know? Yeah, it'd be really cool if they did do it live more often. It would be like such a nice shake up to the set list. Yeah, exactly. Um, my favorite line uh, is Superman don't fly. They did it all the strings. Elvis Presley died. They deep fried the king. Now, here's the line that, uh, and I actually had to write this down because it's, it's such a tongue Like some tacky, cheesy, bathing beauty dancing on the beach in a bad B movie. I, <laughs> I can sit here for like 10, 15 minutes and think, what does that mean? <laughs> but yeah, it's, 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 it's such it's, an it's, odd line. Yeah, but it, you know, I think it just adds the funness to the song. You know, it doesn't really have to mean anything. It's just, it's just funny. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go to the third track. Thank you for loving me, uh, which was the third single released on November sixteenth, two thousand. It was written by. Uh, oh yeah, I forgot to show mine. I think we have the same one. There's another. Yeah, one. I forgot yeah. to bring it out, but there's another one too. But yeah. This one's pretty awesome. cool. Um, and uh, but anyway, uh, it, it was written by John and Richie. And I really love this song, Acoustic. That, mm-hmm. Especially when yeah. John and Richie play acoustic together. Oh, man, it's incredible. Yeah, uh, it's beautiful. And you know, another thing, too, that I really like about this song is uh, the piano intro. I love that. Um, yeah. it's beautiful and the way they have the guitar in the background to the piano playing so softly and... yeah you know, my fiance and I were getting married here in July and we're debating on having this song or Shine be our wedding song we're, we're torn between the two but I think we're leaning towards uh, this one um, yeah I would go with this one personally just because it's yeah. I don't know, it's, it's just like more nostalgic for me i guess but yeah. shine is awesome but it's just so new <laughs> yeah you know and the title alone you know it, it's the biggest compliment that you could give someone that you truly love you know thank you for loving me you know it's pretty much saying thank you for everything thank you for you know it's bigger than saying i love you i think uh, yeah and, it's it's such a brilliant sentiment and if i'm yeah. if i recall correctly john said he got it from a tom cruise movie or something yep yeah, and I was I was trying to think of the movie earlier, and I'm drawing a blank on it. But yeah, I guess he said you know the, he said at the end you know thank you for loving me, and that's how uh, John started to write it. Um, but instrumentally, another thing that I really like about this song is how the drums you know like it's kind of like a piano acoustic guitar in the first verse and, and chorus, and then all of a sudden the boom 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 I never knew I had a you know I love the way you know that kind of kicks in. Yeah. Um, and then John's vocals right before the guitar solos, you picked me up when I fall down, you rang the bell before they count me out. If I was John, you would part the sea and risk your life to rescue me. Yeah, yeah, you know. I love that. And then it brings into the guitar. And I always get goosebumps at that part because it's so good. You know, I mm-hmm. love, love that part. Yeah, it's it's so it's so powerful the way he sings it. And you could just feel the passion and the love in the song. Yeah. And you know, and the outro to this album is so. Uh, this song, I want to mention too about this album. How the outros are so good, like this one, Two Story Town, Next One Hundred Years, I Got the Girl, um, great outros. But anyway, back to this, so I love the outro to this one too. You know how it just, um, 
gives this big punch right to the end right before it, it stops and you just hear the piano fade out. You know, I love that. Yeah, um, yeah it's really. What do you think of the, the music video to this one? Um, I have a lot of nostalgia for it because, um, as I was saying earlier, this song is one of the songs that got me like into Bon Jovi and that was um, a big part of it was the music video and just seeing seeing like what the band members looked like for the first time in that great detail although i don't think it was an hd video back then but <laughs> um but what's cool about it is <laughs> um i love the outfits they're wearing in the video and i love, love like the the runaway bride kind of thing and john and richie are just kind of observing everything that's going around them as they sing and play and um i'm a little fuzzy on all the details of the video right now but I definitely have like that scene of the running bride always in my head. Yeah, I think if I'm not mistaken, I think it was filmed in Rome, mm. so, somewhere in Italy, I believe. But anyway, you know, not everybody can pull off an orange leather jacket. But yeah, John, John Bon Jovi can. You know, like, I, he just looks so cool. But like, if like you and I were to wear something like that, we'd be the laughing stock of the town. But John pulled that one off. <laughs> It's a really cool jacket. Um, yeah, it's yeah. it's amazing well, stuff you can pull off. <laughs> I I wish John or um, Tico and David were more in the video though, because like you see John and Richie at a table writing and and you know hanging out together, but then you you don't see David and Tico. You know you see them throughout the video walking to wherever they're going, and then at the end they all unite. I wish they would have had more uh, visibility in the video. Yeah, I, I definitely agree, and that's that's something I wish they had in a lot of their videos. Honestly, more more Dave and Tico would always be nice. <laughs> exactly, um, and this is incredible live. It, it, it's a shame after the crash tour, it kind of got played in there, but not very often. Um, you know, yeah, I remember. I think I've heard it itself. Yeah. You know, like there's a Toronto performance, uh, 2011 or 2013, that John and it's just it's incredible. And then John did it on the Mediterranean cruise uh, a couple of years ago too, and that was really good. And yeah. I think this is one of the songs that John could definitely do alive again, and it would be great. You know, as uh, you know, a B stage song, um, you know, replace Amen or Better Roses or whatever. Uh, yeah. Do you do you have a favorite? Relate. You have a favorite lyric in the song? Um, yeah, I think um, the uh, sorry, I brought it up here just because I had a feeling you were going to ask me, so I'm just trying to find it again. Um, but I think the I never knew I had a dream until that dream was you. When I look into your eyes, the sky is a different blue. Yeah, um, it's beautiful. Like, yeah, it's it's like you could never imagine what the love of your life is going to be like until you find them and not even knowing what you were dreaming for, but it's all there and better than you would have imagined yourself. Exactly. So it says so much in that one small line. And, and that's the line that really starts to put the punch in the song because it, it's very slow going. And then like I said, the drums going to the second verse. And then, I'll, you know, when I look into your eyes, the sky is a different blue. And then it starts to cross my heart. I wear no disguise. If I try to make, you know, and so forth. And that's when the song really gives you that punch of mm -hmm. emotion, essentially. Uh, yeah, so yeah, and if it's start kicking in and 
It just gets better and better as it goes along. Well, let's get into the deeper tracks, which are really good songs. So the next one is Two Story Town, which was written by John Ritchie. Oh, there's two other uh, songwriters on this. I, uh, Dean yeah. Grocky, I think was his name. And uh, yeah, Mark, Michael. Mark Hudson, I think was his name. Uh, I, I like the intro to the, you know, the one, two, da 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 It kind of gives me a Destination Anywhere vibe a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely hear that note mentioned. it. I couldn't pinpoint the song, but like just like the guitar, you know, it kind of gives you that Destination Anywhere album vibe. Yeah, um, it would fit on there. Yeah, the and the verses in, in on this song is is so good. You know, like there's a for sale sign on the front door of the city hall. The subway line got graffiti crawling off the wall. I could take the hit, but I I won't. I don't want to take the fall. Yeah. Uh, so the verses are really good on this. Uh, uh, and the way they, you know, I'm going down, 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 down. down. And I love that. Yeah. You know, catch it. What, so what's your what's your take on the song? You know, what's um, your... Yeah, this this one I I really like because um, it's it's relatable because I've lived in like the same city all my life, and I don't know if this song is about a literal town or more about like just the community of. BS he's hanging out with at the time or something, but um, yeah. it's just like that relatable feeling about like just getting sick of everything you see yeah. and everything you do being the same and just yeah. you know wanting yeah. to get out of there. Yeah, um, it's, it's more of a like a, just a depressed. I'm fed up with this this shit stuff, and it, it's kind of like the song does. You know, it's funny how we say that this sounds like Destination Anywhere album. And it's also funny because the meaning of this kind of sounds like Destination Anywhere, the song, you know, about just yeah. getting out of this town and tired of the same old situation and let's just pack our bags and get get out of here, you know? Um, so I, 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 th- I think it's, uh, you, you know, it's more of a depressed kind of song, but it's also an optimistic type sound, like, like I'm fed up with it, it's time for a change type thing. Yeah, um, and you can the optimism in the one shot to make a move now the ghosts are calling oh. me out yeah I, I love that part too um yeah. and the, the outro as well that did it did did it did it yeah i love that you know the way that yeah. they, they kind of do the outro uh to that one um, and does that song i might be mixing it up as in that outro they have like a, a record scratch kind of sound in it too if you like turn the volume up as it's fading. I might be mixing that up, but I think you're right. I have to listen to it again on loud, but I think you're right. Um, yeah, I remember so, finding that like surprisingly contemporary for Bon Jovi. Like this band that started in '83 just has this like little record scratch sound in the outro. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> but, yeah, it's it's cool that they keep experimenting with stuff like that. Yeah. Um, the next one is Next 100 Years, uh, which is written by John and Richie. Uh, I love the, I think Tika really, sh- if you listen to, uh, sometimes I'll listen to a song and I'll just listen to like one certain part. Like I'll just listen to the vocals or the guitar or the keys or the drums. I love listening to this song, just listening to the drums. You know, especially that intro, the, you know, I love that. And then yeah. you know, the guitar and everything uh, comes in. Um, 
this song is just it, it's so good and it's so underrated and i think the, one of the best parts about this song is the way they kind of redid you know usually you know in songs you get court era the intro verse chorus second verse chorus solo bridge chorus done i love how this one kind of ends differently you know how you have the guitar solo then you kind of have the final chorus but it's more of a softer and then all of a sudden it goes into the the band's jam session which i mean it just shows you how great the band still sounds together after 17 years um and so the jam session is another thing that really shines on this song i think yeah that's that's one of the highlights of the whole album for me that jam session like the first time i heard it i literally got chills like i was just i was just sitting there peacefully listening to the na na na's and then you hear this guitar just slide in and the drums kick in and i'm like what is happening this is amazing (laughs) yeah you just don't expect it at all and it just suddenly like blows you away with this magical wall of sound and yeah. I don't know. It's it's one of my favorite Bon Jovi moments ever. Like this is probably my second favorite Bon Jovi song behind "I Die for You." Like it's just so well crafted. Yeah, you know, I, I, I love you know how the band intro comes in. You know the you know the drums and the guitar. Then all of a sudden it goes, and then John goes, "Time ain't nothing but time. It's a verse and no rhyme. Man, it all comes back to you." I love that part. Um, it's, I'm trying to think of other parts. So let's go to the meaning behind the song before we go into our favorite parts. Um, I, I think it's kind of like another I'll be there for you, but it's in, in another words, and I'll be I'll be standing here for the next 100 years, which is pretty much, you know, if you're lucky, a well, lifespan. And so it's yeah. pretty much, you know, I'll be here forever, uh, essentially. Um, Another few favorite lyrics of mine are change ain't nothing but change is the faces and the names, but you know we're going to make it through, you know? Yeah. That line kind of reminds me of like, I will drive you home, you know, pretty much saying, you know, longevity wise and, you know, we're going to go through whatever we go through together through life. Um, So do you have a favorite lyric in this song? Uh, there's there's so many in this one. It's it's actually hard to pick like the whole yeah. almost everything of the lyrics here. But um, I think in the chorus is my favorite line, which is if it all should end tonight, I'll know it was worth the fight because it's just like, I don't know, there's something really meaningful about it that hits me every time I hear it. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Uh, it, yeah. Um, the next one is just older. Uh, it was written by John and uh, Billy Falcon, and and like I told you earlier, I I think this would have been a great title for the album, you know, because it was like a new era for the band, and you know, like you know, as the the title suggests, you know, it's just just a band that's older, but they still got it, you know, and like it's it's pretty much John saying with confidence, this is who I am, this is who the band is, we still got it, you know. Um, but so I think I think it would have been a great for a, an album title. I honestly do. Um, yeah, it's it would be a, a brilliant like just for the timing of the album and everything. Yeah. So yeah, I think you're right there. Yeah, you know, it, the song is all about the band's legacy. You know, like in the first verse, you know, like I hit these streets when I was 17 and been up and down and been in between after all these years and miles of memories. I'm still chasing dreams. You know, and I think yeah. that's talking about the band's legacy from where they were and where they are now, 
Um, and, you know, in the second verse, too, when we took on the world, we were young and brave. You know, 1983, pre, we got secrets that will take to the grave, standing here shoulder to shoulder. That's obviously about the band, too. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, and, and the drum intro is another great drum intro, too. Like, you know, and I remember uh, seeing them in 2000, Pittsburgh, 2011. And this is when you didn't know what the band was going to open up with. And they actually opened up with this song. It's a great opener, I thought. Yeah, um, I actually got lucky seeing this song live on the Circle Tour in Edmonton, I believe, in 2009. I was yeah. not expecting to hear it. And I was just like, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also, I love the bridge too. You know, when I look in the mirror, I like what I see. There's a few more lines staring back at me now, you know, and blah, blah, blah. I, I love the whole Coach T line. If you see Coach T, tell him I've got my hair. And then yeah. live, he goes, you know, tell him that I've cut my hair. Oh, no, it's in the album, it's I cut my yeah, hair. And then live, it's I got my hair. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and I love that ha right into the final always, chorus. Yeah. The crowd always screams when he sings that line about his hair too. <laughs> yeah. And you know, and at the end of the song too, the na 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 yeah. It's yeah, I love that part too. Um so and one line that I really take to heart and, and live by is uh, you can't win until you're not afraid to lose. You know, like yeah. Pretty much, you, you you don't know until you try, you know. And if it's kind of like that, woulda, coulda, shoulda, you know. You, you can't win unless you're not unless you're not afraid to try or, or be afraid to lose, you know. Yes. Yeah. Um, my my favorite or one of my favorite parts is the uh, after all these years and miles of memories, I'm still chasing dreams because it shows that John's just nonstop. Like he he was already on top of the world, and he's he's like, no, I'm still chasing more dreams. We're not done yet. <laughs> exactly. Still, you know, he's always got that battery on his shoulder. You know, that chip on his shoulder, and uh, always ha always was looking forward. Uh, so I'm glad you brought that line up too. Uh, the next one is uh, Mystery Chain, and it's written by John and Billy Falcon. This is truly very, 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 very underrated song. It is incredible. Um, John has actually said in interviews that this was his favorite song on the album. Wow. Uh, I, I think he, I think he's writing about Dorothea in this song. Um, I'm trying to think, you know, the intro, you know, is, is really good too. You know, the way the yeah, keys start are slow. Yeah, and the and the way just the keys and the guitar kind of blend well together. You know, from if if you listen from the first track all the way to the sixth track, you know, just older, you get more of a pop rock type of sound, and then this one kind of has like a new sound. And I don't know how to how to put a nail on it, but it's it has a yeah. different vibe to it. And I love it. Yeah, I love it too. This one's almost like a adult contemporary kind of song, like that kind of vibe of like you're just listening to chill songs in the background, but this one just hooks you in with its unique sound and the what what I love about this one is John's like slow kind of lower vocals in this one, like the way he sings like Nights When She's a Scream and stuff like that. Um, I don't know. The the voice is so soothing. One of my favorite things to do with this song, and 
um, She's a Mystery as well, the two mystery songs. I close my eyes and just let the song play and like don't do anything else because they just take me to another world. I know. It, it's like, um, oh, I'm trying to think of it. You know, just kind of like a soothing like to a whole like like a dream world essentially you know, mm-hmm. like it gives you uh the one thing i don't understand with the song is like we're not in kansas anymore is that like a knock or like a touch to the wizard of oz or i always understood what that line meant like we're not in kansas anymore i love i love the line don't get me wrong i love the way it's sung and i, I never understood yeah. that that's one part of like what but uh yeah, my favorite think... what's that sorry um, I think the meaning behind it might be that, like, like you were saying, the Wizard of Oz. Um, she says that when she realizes she's in this whole new world. Um, I, I so it's like, oh, I'm in a whole new world with this love that I'm in, or something like that, something along those lines. But I'm not fully sure either. Right. Um, so the next one is "Save the World," and this was technically a fourth single, but it was only released in Japan. Uh, mm-hmm. to promote, uh, crush. Uh, it was written by John. I think it's another song that's very, very, very underrated. Even in the diehard fan base, it's not that popular of a song, but I think it's great. Um, yeah. You know, it kind of surprised me more popular, actually, because yeah. I think this is one of their better ballads. You know, like, I think the verses are kind of similar to just older, you know, like saying, This is who I am. You know, like in the first, I never went to college, I don't have a degree. Let's say I went to night school, I learned a lot what I know on the streets. You know, I wasn't mm-hmm. bored. You know, just pretty much saying this is who I was and this is who I am now. Uh, and they, uh, I like how it, it picks up into the chorus. You know, you make me... Uh, like I could, and then it's like this punchy, powerful chorus. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, and I love the way John sings at the end. You know, like he, he, he's got this, this ball of energy and emotion, you know, like when he's singing Save the World and he, he holds the note in the world. And then, you know, when yeah. he says, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I love that. And so I think that was another great outro on this album. Yeah, definitely. It's it's such a powerful outro. And you can just yeah. feel that you can feel the emotions as he's going and um it's another song i can just kind of get lost in just listening and dreaming and stuff like that and uh i think one of the reasons i love bon jovi so much is i'm a hopeless romantic myself and songs like this and so many others on crush are just perfect for that kind of vibe like just it's such a great love song you know one of these the a lot of the love songs on this album isn't about any, any breakups it's just about how much you love your significant other you know, and that's what yeah. and this, this whole song is about. Life ain't worth it without you. You know, because of you, I feel like I could save the world. You know, and be my best. You know, so like, essentially, you make me feel like I'm on top of the world and I could save the world and be the best that I can be. Um, I really love the line. I love the lyric, and I also love the way that it's sung. Our love is even stronger than God hoped it could be. All it takes is a little faith in me, like I can save the world. I love that line. Yeah, I love that line, and I love that that leads right into the guitar solo too. Because, or sorry, that's not the guitar solo part, but it does lead yeah. into like a pickup in the music, and it's just yep. so powerful. Yeah, um, but let's go to the next one: Captain Crash and the Beauty Queen from Mars. Yes, 
I, I like this song. I like it better live. You know, I, it's not one of those songs I always go to listen to. I like it, but I I, I prefer to see it live more than just listening to it. Uh, it was written by John and Richie. And it was kind of, I think it was kind of like, I think he was trying to bring like a whole new character, you know, besides the Tommy and Gina, you know, Captain yeah. Crash, Beauty Queen from Mars. And kind of like Say It Isn't So, just kind of one of these fun songs and make up these funny names, you know, like Captain Crash and the Beauty Queen from Mars. You know, but I think it's, you know, just facing the world together, you know, these these two characters. Uh, obviously a very fictional song. Mm-hmm. Uh, new, It was kind of like a new song. I think they were kind of trying to come up with a new songwriting technique. Uh, I'm drawing a blank, you know, like uh, the end of the line. Let me pull up, up the lyrics real quick. Um, yeah. Because there's, I want to touch base on one of the lyrics. This, this song definitely has a very quirky sound to it, and that's that's something yes. I enjoy about it. Yeah, and so at the end, you know, like that's why I wanted to pull up because I want to make sure I got it right. We're Sid and Nancy, Fred and Ginger, Clyde and Bonnie, Liz and Richard, Kurt and Courtney, Bacall and oh. Bogey, John and Joe, and Miss Monroe. I, I love yeah. that. You know, it's just it's yeah. just fun to sing along to. And what I really like about the song live is the way that John will swing his guitar back and forth, and then you see people doing the, the same thing with their hands. Uh, yeah, I love that's. Um, it's it's so fun to be part of the crowd for that. Yeah, and it, it, I love the, the reinvention of the do do do. You know, like they do it in the two story town. They do 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 do. You know, but they also do it with Captain Crash, but in a different way. Do do do. Now I got the two story town, but you you get what I mean. Uh, yeah. Where they do it in the uh, Captain Crash. Um, my favorite line of this one is they're drunk. They're drunk on love as you can get, getting high on lust and cigarettes, living life with no regrets. At least they're going to try to fly. Yeah, that's that's a really fun, fun part. And like the way he brings up his vocals when he says the to fly part is so cool. Yeah. Um, Next one is She's a Mystery. And this is written by John, Peter Stewart and Greg Wells, I believe. I think this is the most. I always get mystery Terry and she's a mystery. I think they both kind of have the same meanings. I think a lot of this was about Dorothea, um, you know. And yeah, so I always if he was both at the same time or took ideas from the others. Yeah, but I think it's it's probably one of, one of the most relaxing songs on the album. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it's like I said, a continuation of mystery training. I think it's, you know, I think this one's more about you You can't put it down who she is and she she drives you crazy in a good way. So essentially it's pretty much she, she's always surprising you. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you're not expecting the same old, same old every day. You know, she's, this is who she is and she's always surprising me, essentially, you know, of new things about her. Um, you know, I love the line. She's anything in the world that you can't explain, but when she throws me a smile, it's like fire in the rain. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, you you have anything you wanted to say about this this uh, song? Um, yeah, this this is another song where I can like just get so lost in. Like I said, with um, Mystery Train, I can close my eyes and imagine myself and. I always imagine myself like lying on the beach when I listen to it because of the line like 
she wears white flowers in her hair and throws them to the sea. So I can I can like visualize that that part so well and like see myself on the beach watching the girl do that almost. Um, yeah. It's really good visual storytelling in the song for sure. And uh, yeah, another very relatable song because I'm sure we've all had um, romantic interests that continue to surprise you or like there's things that baffle you about them and you're just like, what? Yeah. What is this girl? I don't know. <laughs> exactly. And that's, that's what I mean by the whole like surprising thing, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, illusion suspense, you know. Uh, so the next one is I Got the Girl. And this is written by John. And you and I both know that this was about his daughter, Stephanie. Yeah, uh, it, it's another fun song on the album. It, it has that catchy chorus, and you just you can't help but sing along to it. Um, I, I love the way the band sings along in the chorus. You know, and they go, "I got the girl." You know, I love that. Um, I, I think it's a very under. I think it's kind of a forgotten song in a way. Uh, yeah, yeah. What's your What's your whole thing on this song? Like, what do you What do you enjoy about it? Um. I enjoy almost everything, honestly. This is such a such a fun song, um, especially when you realize it is about her, his daughter. Um, the first time I heard the album, I didn't know it. I was very confused because <laughs> there's like I thought it was a love song, but there's little lines that would make no sense that way. Yeah, like the, like the holy mother of Saint Bubblegum and Sister Band Aid Bees. Yeah, and I'm like wait, what is he talking about? But then when you realize that it's about his daughter, it all clicks and it's, it becomes a beautiful song. And uh, yeah, that part that you mentioned there is is my favorite line. Um, Holy mother of St. Bubblegum and sister Band-Aid knees. <laughs> Won't you please the one who, who thinks of stuff like that? <laughs> it's, so, and, it's so random, but cute and fun. So Yeah, it's kind of like say it isn't so with the whole bad B movie line, like, what does that mean? But hey, it's fine to sing along to it. I I dig it. Uh, yeah, I was kind of I was surprised and glad to see that this came came back and uh, his daughter was at the show Stephanie in 2017 in Vegas, and uh, yeah, he up on stage. Yeah, um, so that it was kind of interesting to see that song come back because before that you thought, oh my gosh, this song is forgotten about and John probably doesn't even know it exists and and so forth. Um, but yeah, uh, the next one uh, is One Law Night, and it was written by John Rich. And this is actually going to be the second idea for the album or the album title. Um, first, it's got to show the artwork. Awesome. Yeah, yeah I don't I know I actually those, those singles myself yet, so it's, it's cool to see. It's, I, I love the intro, you know, it's kind of like that cha-cha-cha music, you know, uh, the you know, then all of a sudden it goes into the rock sound. Yeah. And, uh, you know, besides It's My Life, because I thought that was a great opener for the album, I think this would have been a kind of a cool opener for the album as well. Um, yeah, it could get you into the, the vibe and the party kind of zone for just getting you listening and stuff yep exactly and i love the guitar solo on this on this song too. and richie uses I, I i forget what you call it but like the finger thing and he uses that for like you know you i'm not flipping you off here you know you know the way he plays a guitar with that um it's just a fun yeah, party right. song essentially yeah it's it's um i keep saying this 
because it's just a unique album overall for them. But this song is also unique for them because they don't usually do like party vibe kind of songs. I guess they did it again on Lost Highway, but this was kind of new to them to just make a song straight up about partying for the first time since 99 in the Shade and just like have those wacky lyrics like rolling the bones with Jimmy, no dice, take him for a couple of weeks pay. And it just brings you into that little world. Um, the music video is another thing that's kind of unique for them. It was a little more risque than they usually go down. Yeah. But, you know, I think it was like an intro, you know, kind of like how they did with It's My Life when they did like the live stream of Bon Jovi uh, in that video. They also bring, they touch base on the internet world in this one too, where the guy is filming his whole experience. And that's where we are on social media these days is something happens, mm-hmm. we post about it. You know, we share our whole I don't, but a lot of people share their whole lives on social media. And um, and so, like, you, you see this kid who's new to the Internet world, and he's filming his whole life experience, his whole party night live. So yeah. watch it live stream. And so it, it's kind of cool. You know, it, it, like you yeah, said, risky. Ahead of it's kind of that way. Yeah. yeah. And I, I love the line, if you lose this role, I'll take your girlfriend home. So I stopped. You're not going to believe who comes walking out. You know, it, it, it leaves a mystery. Like, what happened? You know, but, you know, I, I love yeah. it. it. It's a it's a fun song. Yeah, um, I love the reference to the Twilight Zone as well. And uh, one of my first online friends I made through Bon Jovi fan sites on Tumblr and stuff went by the username Hey Say Love V because of this song. So every oh. time I hear that, I think of like, <laughs> One of my best friends that I made there. So <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, it's a cool little connection that way. And I also love the end of the song too, because this is where they end the album, US edition. Mm-hmm. The way that, you know, I want to talk to you about James Brown. Now, James would here and be a hit. I wonder, is that Richard or is that Tico? I've always wondered that too, because it does Richard. sound a lot. Yeah, when I first heard it, it sounded a lot like Tico to me, but. The more I hear Richie do his goofy voices in interviews, the more I think it is Richie. Yeah, and I think it's Richie. I, love- I like how they how they did that. You know, kind of like a little tribute to James Brown. You know, just something fun and something stupid to put in there. Um, yeah, it's totally unnecessary, but it's just a cute little moment. <laughs> now we gotta just touch a base a little bit on because there was a lot of great outtakes from this album that didn't make yeah. this album. Yeah, I got a couple uh, different versions. This one, the German edition, just has I Could Make a Living Out of Loving You. So it stops at 13 tracks. And then I got this Japanese one that has Neurotica. And uh, not that this is as relevant, but it also has a second disc live from Osaka. And it's just like six songs from the Crush Tour. Um, It's a cool little bonus there. I should have brought... I should have brought mine up too because I have those. I have the UK edition. I have a two disc edition that has a lot, some live songs. It has Neurotica in it. Um, but uh, the UK one is pretty unique because it has like these uh, remixes for uh, It's My Life and Say It Isn't So. Mm. Uh, have you heard those versions? The mix? The UK mix? I don't, I don't think I have. I'm just going to like see if it's on any of these uh singles here but yeah i don't think i've actually heard those which is gotta go to my friend youtube (laughs) 
Um, there, so some other good songs too. You know, like I could make a living out of loving you. That was my favorite. Uh, mm-hmm. Neurotica. Uh, Welcome to the good times. But I think that was. Uh, no, that wasn't Armageddon. That was Mr. Big Time. Um, and do it to you. Do it to you was a unique song. Uh, yeah, that's a do you one. do you have a favorite outtake from this uh, album? Um, it I might have to be. Yeah, there's a lot. Um, it's actually hard to say, but for the ones that actually made any additions, Neurotica is a huge one. And then there's one I'm trying to think of that I know I love it, but it's got a, kind of a longer title, and I'm having trouble remembering it. So I'm just gonna look up their outtakes real quick here. Um, but Neurotica, I'll just talk about that to save time while I'm looking at this. Yeah, um, there was Stay and, and Hush. Yeah. was really, Stay, I think, should have made the album. I think it was, you know, it had that powerful chorus, and, you know, I like that one. Yeah, that's a really cool one. Uh I really wish I could remember the title of the other outtake I'm thinking of. That's like, okay. Yeah, but it's I'll think of it later when I'm laying in bed at night and be like, ah, I didn't make the video. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. Um yeah. But yeah, so you know, overall this is such a good album and uh I'll never be able to speak highly enough of the album because it, it's so good. And it's, you know, obviously for you and me, you know, this is the album that started it all for us. And it's so monumental mm-hmm. in the way that we are as fans. Um, so it's a great album. And I, you know, I hope we get like a special edition on this one day. You know, like last year, I don't know if the pandemic had ruined it, but I, I wish there was plans to do something like they did for New Jersey where they had yeah. like three disc, you know, a DVD and then outtakes and demos and stuff like that. So, you know, it's definitely a, a huge thing in the in the band's history. Um, yes, definitely. And I'd love an edition like that, too, because as we said, there's just so many outtakes that didn't make the, the cut. Like it could have been a double album like New Jersey was planned to be. So, yeah, an edition like that, like a special deluxe edition would be amazing. Yeah, exactly. Well, anyway, buddy, it was good to um, talk to you. Uh, it was good to have you on again. I know we've, we've, you've been on before. Uh, so I want to say thank you for coming on today, and I hope you stay safe. And uh, I hope, you know, you, me, and Ash, you know, hopefully we have another Jovi trip here <laughs> next year. Yeah. And get to all see yeah, you. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Yeah, week. thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Well, stay safe, okay, buddy? I will. You too. All right, bye.